Hallelujah. I'm so glad you sing that, Minister Micah. Some of you need to be reminded what Jesus said when he's talking to his disciples. He said, which of you, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake? Or if he asked for bread, would give him a stone? And if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Somebody say, how much more? I know how to bless my kids. Even when they don't obey me, I know how to bless my kids. I know my kids. I study them. I know exactly what would make them feel super special. How much more? Does your heavenly Father know you? How much more does He know how to meet your need? I know what my kids need. I know they need to eat. I know they need some shoes when I look down and your toes is sticking out. How much more does your heavenly Father? Some of you need to hear that. Your heavenly Father is good. Maybe your earthly Father wasn't good but your heavenly father is not the same how much more he said he's a good father minister Micah can we sing it one more time you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and I'm loved by you it's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Come on, you're perfect. It's who I am. Come on, declare who, who he is. You're perfect. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We thank you, God. Praise the Lord. You may be seated tonight. I got the privilege of declaring the word of the Lord to you tonight. Pastor Daniel's not here and asked me if I would preach tonight, and I'm so excited. Thank you, Minister Micah and worship team. Oh, we got monitors. Come on, give these guys a big hand. Thank you so much for coming early and making sure. Oh, that's awesome. A little bit more. That way I don't shout. Oh, there we go. See, now I'm not going to bring it down just a little. That way I'm not going to, like, scream in this microphone. You can. That's awesome. We don't have monitors in children's ministry, so I don't ever know if the kids are hearing me or not. It's probably why I talk so loud all the time, because I just have to. Make sure they can hear me. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad to get to share God's word with you tonight. 
Hey, I want to give a, uh, just an especial boom chicka chicka to those of you that helped us pick up the fireworks rubbish one more time. I know I made a big deal of it on Sunday, but man, that was awesome. Thank you guys so much for going out there and picking up rubbish like that in the dark, in the cold, picking up shreds of paper with your cold fingers. Thank you so much. I'll be ready for, for the photo this time if you want to take it. Praise the Lord. Hey, I got a good word for you. Praise the Lord. I want to encourage you to be in prayer this week. I know it was on the announcements, but we are a people that pray. God gave us promises that He would hear us and He would respond. Many times we get discouraged because we have this expectation of when God should respond. And if he doesn't, well, then it ain't worth going. Jesus even told a special story in the Bible about a lady who didn't give up on her, on her requests and finally got what she needed. And he told that parable so that men ought always to pray and to, anyone, never give up. You should be in prayer. Tomorrow we got prayer we got special prayer Friday night. It was in the announcements. Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, well, if you want to take your Bible, uh, whether it's your phone Bible or your paper Bible, I prefer paper myself. Uh, why don't you turn to the book of Jeremiah? We're going to look at Jeremiah tonight. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to tell you a story here before we read and pray. A number of years ago, I was uh, on Maui, which is where my family is from. I've only been here a few months, and I'm still having trouble with names. And uh, please forgive me if I've forgotten that I met you. <laughs> still working on that one, too. If I walk up to you and say, have I met you yet, just nod your head and smile. Or just help me out and say, no, you haven't met me yet. I will feel so good that I didn't forget your name. Praise the Lord. A few years ago, I was uh, outside on a big field, um, running with some kids on a Sunday morning, playing a game with the kids in Children's Church. And part of the game, I had to jump really, really high in the air. And when I came down, my foot went this way, and my knee went that way. And all my weight came down on my knee. And after all the tests and MRIs were done, I had shattered two bones, tore my ACL, partially tore my PCL, and shredded my meniscus. Wow, what a day. And it was the day after my birthday. Whoop, whoop. That's, that's a great one. I went to the doctor, the orthopedic surgeon guy, and I had, God did a miracle to get me into the top orthopedic surgeon on Maui, it was a miracle. And uh, so I go into his office, and he looks at my MRI, and he's like doing his head, and I'm like, oh, yikes, this is not good. And he says to me, well, what's your goal? I said, well, I got kids at home, and I need to be active for the rest of my life. I need to walk again. I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk without crutches anyway. And he said, are you sure that's what you want to do? Because if that's what you want to do, it's going to take a... It's going to take a long road to get there, and it ain't going to be very fun. I said, I've got to walk and run and play and jump again. My kids need that. I'm not going to be a dad sitting there watching my kids grow up. I'm going to, grow, I'm going to, I'm going to be with them. I'm going to take them hiking, and I'm going to play ball with them. And if whatever the road is, that's what I'm going to have to do. That's, I'm ready to do that because I'm going to walk again, and I'm going to run again. I said, okay, but I just want you to tell you it's going to be difficult. It's not going to be very fun. And it was not very fun. Today, if you looked at me, you would know I had this horrible accident, and it took me 18 months to get back to normal. It's a long time. I had to go to physical therapy for 90 hours, and that was not fun, especially the first few days. 
I'll never forget the day I had not met my goal in, in bending my knee, and my surgeon was not happy that I had not met my goal. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You've had to do this before? I didn't meet my goal for the, the week on how far I'm bending my knee. And he called the physical therapist on the phone. Do you remember that day? Oh, man. And he lit into her and said, if he doesn't get to this certain degree today, we're getting a new physical therapist. Well, that's big bucks for them. So I went to physical therapy that day. My knee would only bend so far. This is after surgery. My knee would only bend so far, and then it just felt like it was going to pop if I bent it anymore. And she says uh, to me, you know, your surgeon called. Oh, yeah, I was in the office when he called. Well, you know, today's not going to be very fun. Yes, I know it's not going to be very fun. She said, okay, go ahead and get up on the table like you usually do. And so I got up on the table, and I'm laying there with my knee. And she goes, oh, you know what? We're going to do it different today. Lay down on your face. Lay down on your stomach. So I lay down. She goes, okay, be, bring your knee up as far as you can. So I brought it up. She goes, okay, great. great. Hang on. Whoa. She grabbed the side of the, grabbed the, side of the table. Over and over. Not that fast. She did like. <laughs> That's not what she did. Okay, I didn't want to give you that picture. But she made sure I got to that degree that day. She didn't want to lose her money. She didn't care about me. She wanted her money. Wow. I've, I don't think I've ever seen that many tears fly out of my eyes before. They're just pegging the table underneath me. There ain't no dripping. They're like shooting out. Out of my eyes. That road took a long time to get down there. I'm so thankful I did that. I can do whatever I want now with my kids. I'm pain free. Don't have any of that. I had to get these injections in my knee. Really, really long needles. I didn't know I had an issue with needles. Until I went in for the first one out of ten. And he pulls it out and goes, okay, we're going to put this all the way into what? That? Oh, my goodness. Has anybody ever had those? those uh, it's like changing the oil in your knee. They shoot you with this viscous stuff in there. And it don't feel good for about 35 seconds. There were times I sat in the parking lot need, needing to go in to get, that, to get that injection, praying in the Holy Ghost. God, help me get out of this car. I don't want to hurt anymore, and that needle hurts. It, oh, the one day he got it all the way in there and then accidentally bumped it with his hand. That was an exciting day. Well, we've got Jeremiah to look at tonight. But that was a setup for the, the message I've got for you tonight. And it does have a good ending because I can walk good now and uh, run. But let's take a look at Jeremiah. I believe God wants me to share with you from Jeremiah 18, familiar passage. And there's a lot we could preach from this passage, but I'm going to declare what I believe God wants you to hear. I'd like to say good evening or morning, wherever you are, if you're watching online or you're watching post-recording, watching archives or something, welcome, we're glad you're here with us. Jeremiah 18. And now we're going to read just a couple verses here. I'm reading from the NIV tonight here. This is, says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot. 
shaping it as shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I know you're speaking to me. You filled my heart with faith with this passage. Lord, I pray you do the same. And Lord, give me great liberty in expressing it. Help me, God, to get out what it is I believe you want me to say. God, may my words not get in the way of what you want to say tonight. Help us, oh God. Give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to receive. I thank you, God, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God raised Jeremiah up to speak for him to the nation of Israel, particularly to their king. Israel had abandoned God altogether. They had turned completely away from him. The nation was filled with idols, and the nation was filled with altars of every kind, not just in one and two locations, but the whole nation was filled with them. Hills were covered with idols. It was really a sad picture of a God's people at that time. And so God raised up this man, Jeremiah, that some people would call him the weeping prophet. It's in a couple times how he... In the, in the book of how he uh, would shed tears over the nation of Israel. And so God raised up Jeremiah to declare what God was about to do and to declare that they could still come to God. And it was a sad picture, but Jeremiah, um, that's what he was there for. That's what this book is about. And Jeremiah is kind of an unusual guy. God spoke to him in object lessons. Didn't just give him words to say. He would show him a picture first or a vision or some like this, walk into a certain location. God would speak to him about whatever it is he's looking at. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, being a children's pastor, everything we do is in some form of object lesson. And I, I kind of like Jeremiah because of that. So here's Jeremiah's assignment. Go down to the potter's house. I'm going to show you something and tell you what I want you to say. Okay, he goes down there. Here's a potter working at the wheel. He's shaping this clay. Doesn't go the way he wants to, so he makes it into something else. And God gives a good word for Israel. I want to take a look at three things tonight. I've got quite a bit to share. I'm going to make sure that I don't keep you too late. I don't want you to be here uh, uh, after too much time. But I want you to hear what God has to say. I want to share with you uh, four things, not three, from this particular passage. I want to share with you about the clay. And I want to share with you about the wheel. And I want to share with you about the potter. And then I want to share with you one more thing that sometimes gets overlooked when scholars point out everything Jeremiah was looking at. That doesn't mean I'm like a super smart guy. I just want to make sure that you see this one thing in there that jumped out at me. The first thing we want to look at is the clay, and everything in this, in this little scenario that Jeremiah is looking at is, is uh, communicating from God, what, excuse me, it's communicating the picture of Israel. Israel had abandoned anything that had to do with God, as I shared, and the land was defiled with all kinds of evil that they had chosen to endorse and live in and never get rid of and not turn to God. And so the clay in the picture is a picture of the house of Israel. And you see that it was marred, and it wasn't what it was supposed to be, and it wasn't what the potter intended for it to be. And it's also a picture of us. We are the clay. We are made in his image. We are earthen vessels. He breathed life into us, clay sitting on a wheel, doesn't do anything unless the potter gives life to it. The potter has given us life. God's given us life. He's breathed life into us. We are made in his image. What, what does it mean to be made in his image? We all look different. How in the world does God got a nose? God got some eyes? How do you figure that? Exactly how does that work? How am I made in his image? Probably the easiest way to look at it is things you can do, nothing else in all creation can do. You can 
let's look at a few of those. This is not in my message. I just want to help you understand how maybe how you're made in God's image. First of all, you can understand justice. You understand what it means to have right and wrong. You understand what it means when somebody hurts you and you want to hurt them back. You want justice. You know what that means. You know when somebody has robbed from you. The reason you can understand justice is because you're made in one, the image of one who is just. The reason you can choose to love and that it's not some weird just feeling you have inside of you, the reason you can choose to love and express love and understand it and receive it is because you're made in the image of the one who is love and who chose to love you and me. That's how you can understand that. The fact that you can understand even the concept of forever and how even people who don't even acknowledge God at all sing songs about forever. I'm going to love you forever. Give me a singing part in Birthday of a King. <laughs> oh, baby, our love will last forever. You're mine forever. Always. Even the word always. How is it you even know and can grasp the word always? Always is an absolute term. Do you have anything in your possession that is always? Everything here falls apart. How could you have something, even know something could be always? It's because you're, you're, you're made in the image of one who was before time existed, who lives outside of time. You're made in the image of God. There's other things we could go down, but I just want to give you a picture in case you're ever wondering, well, how is it I'm made in God's image? Does God look like me? That'd be kind of scary. No, you're made in his image by the things you can do that no, nothing else in all creation can do. Praise the Lord. Animals aren't like you. They're not. Your dog is not like you. Your dog is not a person. Yikes, I just offended like 98 people in this room. I don't hate dogs, but Jesus died for people. You can come yell at me after the service. So the clay... Let's talk about a few things about the clay. The clay in, the, in this picture is on the wheel, and it's already being in a process of being turned into something. The clay, this squeaks every time I stand here. I don't know if I need to lay off the truffles or if it's the wood. Don't answer. I'm going to go to this side. Hang on, because that squeak is making me really self-conscious. Okay, less squeak. I'm lighter on this side than on that side. <laughs> the clay has to be prepared before it can be put on that wheel. There's a process that's done to the clay called kneading, kind of like you would knead your bread. Not I knead it. It's different spelling. So it's, it's a handling with your hands to get it, to get all, to try to look for any kind of... Uh, Anything in the clay that would need to be taken out. Try to get the air bubbles out of the clay so that it's a solid mass. There's work that has to be done to the clay from the potter before that wheel ever begins spinning and you're working on it. And it's called kneading. Looking for any uh, dirt or anything that flew into it you know, while it, he was waiting for it or something. And so the clay has to be prepared. The clay that he was working with in the picture that Jeremiah saw was flawed. And it's a picture, again, of the, the nation of Israel, but it's also a picture of us. It's also a picture that in our lives, as awesome as you think you are, and as awesome as I think that I am, that I've got Mars, and I've got flaws, and uh, I know you think I'm really perfect, but I'm not. Ask her. She points them out frequently. <laughs> Praise the Lord. My wife is really good at pointing out where the flaws are and the Mars are. It just sticks right out to her. I don't know how that works. 
It's also a picture that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But more than that, it's a picture of people who won't live by the Spirit, but they live by the flesh. As we, as we attempt to live by the Spirit, we are those of us that are tr attempting to hear the Spirit of God, respond to the Spirit of God, begin to understand the Spirit of God is trying to do something in our life. If you're not somebody who's attempting to live by the Spirit, you have yet to even recognize that God, by His Spirit, is trying to do something in your life. That is living by the Spirit, is allowing the Spirit to work in you. And so if you don't, you've got all these things that are just stay there, and you don't know what to do with them. The clay was, had flaws in it. It was marred. Good news in this passage. Good news is the clay could be remade. You may look at your life and think there's things that could never be turned to good that is wrong. God can turn anything to good. In this picture, the potter took something that was going the wrong way or had some things in it and said, okay, uh, I've seen this before and I know what to do with it. I'm going to shape it into another pot. I'm going to take all those Mars and I'm going to make something new out of it. When you come to Christ, a newness starts happening in your life. You start getting new thoughts. You start feeling not so good about some of the things you've done. The Holy Spirit starts working in you. Whether you know it or not, the moment you decide to, to lay your life at Christ's feet, He starts working on the marred clay in your life. We're going to talk about the potter in just a minute, in just a little bit. But the good news is, regardless of what your life looks like or how terrible you feel about some of the things you've done and don't even know if, if, if you're going to have something good happen in your life because of the things that's happened before, the good news is the potter knows how to remake the clay. The clay can be remade. I'm a testimony of remade clay. Is anybody here a testimony of clay that's been remade? I am, and I'm so thankful. Praise God. Even this morning as I shared, he was working on something in my life, took out something that didn't need to be there. I'm so glad. Can you say amen? Let's talk about the wheel. Oh, the wheel. I'm not going on that side. The wheel. The wheel is in this thing, and you'll note it is, is, is in the potter's house, and Jeremiah goes to the potter's house, and he sees, the first thing it says he sees is the potter working the wheel. Everybody say working. The potter working the wheel. And the wheel in the picture here. To us and the, the, to Jeremiah here, the wheel is the circumstances of life that allow the potter to shape the clay. If the wheel isn't moving, there's no shaping, there's no balance to it. The wheel is the mechanism that allows the potter to shape the clay. It is the, I wrote it down here, I wanted to say it a certain way. It is the process facilitator. It's what is allowing God to shape, allowing God to shape you and I, but it's allowing the potter to shape the clay. He doesn't shape until the wheel is turning and that the clay is in motion on the wheel. It puts the clay in motion. It spins to bring balance. The reason it's spinning is so that all the way around, it's, it's even all the way around. It pushes the clay into the potter's hand. The wheel, as it's spinning, and the, and the potter brings his hand near it, keeps bringing the clay into the potter's fingers. It keeps bringing it closer to his hands. The wheel is adjustable according to what the potter needs to happen. And it's adjustable according to what needs to happen to the clay. Everybody say, to the clay. Who's the clay? Where the clay? The wheel, the circumstance, whatever it is, the mechanism that has been put in our life changes according to what 
the potter wants to have happen in our life. I want to point out two of those mechanisms. The first one is people. When God wants to start working on some Mars in your life, he will put people there to expose those Mars. Ugh. Everybody say, oh, God help us all. It's the worst kind of wheel there is. So irritating. It's the people you want to kill the most. Right? I got to tell you a story how this is so true in my life. And I'm going to I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the story like it is, and uh, you can help me later. I was on I was on uh, uh, my wife and I's time on Maui. We were there for 14, 15 years, something like that. Lived in Hawaii 15 years, and uh, I had an employee that worked for me. I'm gonna make it quick. I made I had an employee that worked for me, and uh, it was a uh, mom of four, and she was our. Uh, one of the coordinators in our, in our uh, large children's ministry there. And she entered into a time in a female's life in their mid-40s and 50s where some of the, you know, there's ch changes happening in their body, producing sometimes effects that can seem very aggressive. <laughs> Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm trying to be as uh, courteous as I can. I know that time affects women differently. Some women don't miss a beat. Some women have to be locked up. <laughs> so let me just tell you this story. I'm really not trying to be mean. It's really a difficult time. It's very challenging. There's no doubt about it. It's challenging. So this, this, this lady that worked for me, she entered into this time, and it was really bad. And uh, one of the characteristics of a woman who's in that time, kind of in the middle of it, is they begin to need a focal point to put all of their frustration and confusion, and they need something to focus on. And it's usually a person. You can tell where I'm going with my story. Well, I got picked. I don't know why or how. I don't remember volunteering to get picked, but I got picked to be the focal point of this lady's every aggravation. And it got ugly. I would get phone calls in the middle of the night telling me how awful I was. This is my employee. Right, Lummy? Telling me I'm the worst pastor in the whole world. I mean, being called names in the middle of the night. It got so bad, I was afraid to come to the church because I thought she was going to hunt me down and hurt me. That, I didn't, I didn't want to go to the church. It was very trying for my wife and I, and she worked for me. And the story ain't over. One of her friends who helped her in her ministry, well, guess what? She started this time in a woman's life between her 40s and 50s, and she needed a focal point. I'm getting double barrels. Oh, I can't say it like that. I got picked as her focal point too. Wow, and I got two of them coming at me. Day and night. I'm in tears because these Wonderful people that really loved God and had very difficult time even controlling their words would find me at church and praise me and tell me how awesome I am. And then I would watch their car going out the parking lot and my phone would be ringing and it's them. And now they're shredding me for how awful I am. What is happening? It ain't over. Number three. Three ladies all at one time. I didn't even want to leave my house. I didn't want to answer the phone. I called my pastor, Dr. Morocco, and I said, Doctor, I'm not coming to the building until you help me. I can't do this. I'm scared for my life and my kids. 
It was, it was very difficult. It was the wheel spinning. Circum people in your life, and uh, people in, God will put people in your life to show you how ugly that sinful nature is in you and how easily you give in to it. God will put people in your life sometimes to ask you, how much do you really love people? God will put people in your life to see if you actually do love people. You'll find out real quick. You don't love them as much as you think you do. That's just the way it is. Yikes. That sinful nature is so ugly. And God wants it to not be a factor in your life. He can't take it away from us. But he can help us deal with it by his spirit. There's a lot more to that story. I just wanted to give you the picture that God put people in my life that really tested me. And God asked me straight up, do you love those people? No. The answer, no. Didn't even have to hesitate. I wanted to fire her. Wouldn't you? You know what I was told? No, you can't fire her. She's a gift to you. That's what my pastor told me. Pastor, you're supposed to help me. Help me fire her. Call, help me call the police. Help me get a restraining order on this lady. No, you're not firing her. You're going to bless her. She's a blessing to you. You've got to be kidding me. You ever had people like that in your life? People and circumstances. God will use people and circumstances as the wheel in your life so that he can begin to fashion you. The potter has to have the clay in motion to begin to fashion it. And that is what happens in our life. God puts people in our life. They facilitate the process in us. They expose flaws in us. They push us into the potter. They expose hidden things in our lives. They expose motives. Who can show a motive? They expose motives in our life. God is concerned about the motives in your life. Why you would do something. He cares about that. He cares about the reason you did something. Did you know he, can, he knows if you... In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus over and over and over again told him, if you do that particular thing in front of men to get their praise, you've already got your reward. He knows your motives. You can't fool God. Yikes. The wheel. The wheel is not fun. It is the mechanism to show your ugliness. It is not fun. If you are getting up in the morning saying, oh, God, I have no idea what's going on. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Let me tell you something. The wheel is spinning, and you are being formed by the potter. There's a mechanism in your life taking place. Some of you today, you came here wondering, God, what is going on here? Hoping to hear something encouraging. I'm encouraging you today. The wheel is turning and the potter is moving, and something is happening in your life for his good. Let's talk about the potter. The potter is the most awesome part of the whole scenario that Jeremiah saw. He works the wheel. Everybody say, he works the wheel. The wheel is part of his plan. The wheel is subject to his discretion, determining on what he wants to see take place, and what he wants to have happen to the clay. He gets to control the speed of the wheel and what's happening on it. He works the wheel. He is at work in your circumstance. Whether you feel like it or not, he is at work in your life. He is working. He's working the situation. Sometimes we cry out to God to change the situation, and God is saying, are you kidding me? It's doing more in you than you know. 
The circumstance is doing in you exactly what I want it to do. And if I take it away, you won't have what you need to have. You won't be what I'm wanting you to be. Sometimes that circumstance or the people in your life are making you exactly what God needs to be, and he will not answer your prayer because he refuses to not let he refuses for you to become less than he wants you to be. The potter is doing much more than you think he is. I love Pastor Reynolds, Pastor Brian Reynolds' statement. He said it over and over again to me. God is doing more than you think he's doing. He is at work. The potter determines what the vessel should be and be used for. Before he starts working for it, he's already got an end result in mind. He knows the purpose of it, whether it's going to hold grain or hold water, different shape. Is it going to hold something that will spill out easy? Whatever it is he's got in mind, he's aiming for it all along, all through the wheel turning, all through the circumstance that you're facing all through the people. He's got a picture at the end of it all of what he's doing. And he's what kind of a father? He's a good father. He knows what's over here on the end, what it's going to look like, and he's getting you there. Some of you need to hear that today. He knows what he's doing. His plans are good. He doesn't make mistakes. Any Mars that show up, he can make it into another one. He knows what he's doing with the clay. He is the master potter. There is no other better. No one else is a better potter than he is. He knows what he's doing, and he is working. He knows what that vessel should look like. He has a vision of the shape to fill the perp to meet the purpose. The wheel and the pressure. Follow his design for you. The great thing about the potter, different than this story, is this potter created us. He is the author of your faith. He knows you inside and out. He knows what makes you tick. He knows right where you are. More than that, he loves the clay and gave his life for it. He loves you. He put himself on the cross because he loves you so much and me. He loves us that much. The fourth thing I want to bring out of this message here that Jeremiah saw, and I, I hope you can catch this, is he saw the best. Take a look at the scripture here. It says, verse 4, but the pot he was shaping, the potter formed it into, oh, excuse me, the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as he as seemed best. Everybody say best. Best to him. Hey, if we're going to be people of the spirit and not people of the flesh, we've got to recognize we don't know what is best. God knows what is best. Our definition of best is so based on us. I just spit. Did you see that? You know why that happens? That happens because I used to make fun of one of my teachers in college because he would did that, and I know God does that to me now. So shame. Did you take a picture of that? Did you see it coming out? Our definition of best is so based on us, we couldn't even think straight. It's so based on our own personal gratification. It's based on our sinful nature. It's hard for us to even conceive God would have a different picture of what was best. I know that because when God's doing something in our life and we've been crying out, God, I want your best, and we don't recognize that he's working in our life, it should say to you, you don't know what is best. If you're frustrated with what's happening on the wheel it could be you don't have a picture of what's best. The potter gets to decide what's best, not the clay. The clay doesn't get to speak to the potter and say, I think you ought to push a little more on this side. Spin the wheel faster. So stay on the wheel. 
For those of you in the media department who are going to be archiving this later, the name of the message is Stay on the Wheel. Did you know you decide how the process goes? It's your choice. You can get off the wheel anytime you want. You're a little different than the clay in this picture because you get to decide to stay in the process or jump ship. You get to decide how the end result goes. Oh, the potter has a plan, but this clay is alive and living and has been given a choice. That's you and me. We get to decide many times how long it takes for the vessel to show up. So let me give you these four things, and then we're going to pray. First of all, how can I stay on the wheel? Number one, if you're a note taker, here you go. Have the right perspective. Number one, let me ask you where you're getting your vision from. You've got to have right eyesight as to what God is doing. Where are you getting, who's influencing you? Who's helping you understand the working of the Spirit in your life? Who's helping you understand God's Word? Who, who is that? There's all kinds of Bible teachers in our world. You can't just pick one out of a hat and hope they're going to tell you the right thing. I was listening this week. I get up early. I know you probably get up early too and go to work. I get up early on purpose to spend extra hours in God's presence. I'm going to skip the squeaky spot. I feel better about myself. Go home and have some more truffles. I got issues with truffles. Please don't bring me truffles ever. Anyway. I got to stay forward because if I turn sideways, you'll know I've been eating truffles. I get up early and I listen to a Bible teacher that I love to listen to when I'm waiting on prayer to start. Uh, early, early prayer, not early morning prayer, early, early morning prayer. There's a few of us that gather early, earlier. And uh, this week, he said something that was totally off the beam. And I, was, I thought, did I just hear what I thought? Surely he didn't say that. Nah, there's no way. I just missed it. I, maybe I didn't hear it right. Not enough coffee yet. Something. So the next day I got up, listening to it again, and he said the exact same thing. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. How many people in the world just heard him say that, and that is not true? There is no way that's not true. We could go throughout the New Testament and point to places I could point in my own life where that's happened. Wow. Who's speaking to you? Job, our good friend Job, is having a really, really bad day. You've never had a bad day like Job had. And Job's got the right perspective, but all of a sudden, three friends show up starting to talk to him. His three friends did not have the right perspective, and they start. he starts leaning back and forth. Who's helping you? Who's speaking to you? Are you picking up just anything and reading it? Are you flipping through looking for a lucky answer somewhere to help you understand what's going on? Are you hoping the fortune cookie will tell you what to do? How about those little dove wrappers? You ever open a dove chocolate? I got issues with chocolate. You ever open a dove chocolate? And you read that little dove chocolate? I feel good about myself. How about a Hall's wrapper? I'm going to get my theology from a Hall's wrapper, a pep talk in every drop. They got little slogans on here. Where are you getting yours from? God rebuked Job's friends for the way they responded to his circumstance. Did you know that? Yikes. They didn't respond right, and God told Job about it. They didn't respond right, and God, God nailed them for it. What about Jesus? Jesus has got the 12 disciples around him. Jesus tells them, I'm going to die and rise again, three days. Peter. Peter up and says, not you. You could never die. Who's talking to you? 
You better have some people in your life that are godly, spirit-filled people to help you while you're on the wheel spinning. Or you're going to get your perspective off. You might want to watch what you're reading. You will take on the attitude of the author that you're reading. I, I, gotta, I, cannot, I cannot comment on that. That aggravates me. Make sure you understand who's talking into your life. If you don't have the right perspective, you're going to jump off of the wheel when you were almost done. Yikes. Have the right perspective. Get the perspective from God. How am I going to do that? Number two, the way to stay on the wheel is draw close to the potter. That's the purpose of the wheel. Draw close to the potter. What's your prayer life like? What's your word time like? Draw close to the potter. Some of you, God's been dealing with you. that You need to get up and go to prayer or you need to come to noontime prayer. There is a reason we keep advertising prayer up here. We're trying to help you draw close to the potter. I had somebody, never mind. Praise the Lord. I don't want to take too long. Draw close to the potter. Let her see. Endure the process. Everybody say process. The clay is in process. It's not done. It's being fashioned. Endure it. Don't decide you know more than God does. Are you kidding me? Don't decide you've got it all and God doesn't know what he's doing. Hey, if you're in a time where you're being questioning whether or not God is real, whether God's doing something, if his promises are true, you are right at the point of crossing over into leveling up in your faith. Your faith is being questioned. That's a good word for somebody here. The point in your life where you have to say, do I believe this or not, is the exact point God wants to put you in so that you will say, I'm going to believe it. I got really excited right there. <laughs> Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Can you bring that up there? Look at it. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Move on. If you are not disciplined, move on. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines for our... You're following along. In order that we may share in his holiness. Keep going. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Ouch. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those that have been trained by it. There's missing a space in there. Did you guys see that typo? That irritates me. I can't even worship when there's a typo up there. I have to shut my eyes. Sometimes I have to leave the room. I cannot handle typos. Widows and orphans on the screen. I can't handle it. Does anybody know what I just said? I, if, you're, if you're a widow or an orphan, I wasn't making fun of you. It's a figure. It's a part of. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths. Go ahead. Next one. <laughs> Touch screen. Motion screen. Do you got the next one? I'm so sorry, Elizabeth. It's verse 13. It says, make straight. Make. Goodness, what does it say? And, ma <laughs> and make level path, make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. I don't even remember where I'm at now. God is working in your life. Stay on the wheel. Endure the process. Strengthen yourself up. Get around some people that are going to say, don't give up. Keep going. God is working. Come on. Get around some people that are going to pray in the Holy Ghost for you. <clears throat> Lastly, so have the right perspective. Draw close to the potter. Endure the process. Lastly, oh, part of enduring the process is walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the flesh, you'll quit. 
Lastly, rejoice that the master potter is at work. Pastor Alex, if you could come play, or Minister Micah, whoever it is. I don't know, one of these musicians. Come play something. Some Jesus music. Rejoice! The master of all masters is working in your life. Regardless of how, what you see or how you feel or what the circumstance looks like, he is at work. He's working, and there's no one more you want working in your life than the master potter, the one who made you for a purpose, who knows what the vessel is supposed to look like, who can deal with the Mars, who died for your Mars, gave his own life because of the Mars that you have, took them upon himself. I'm not going to take your Mars upon me. I don't want them. I don't want your mistakes put on me. God didn't mind. He loves you that much, and he loves me that much. I got full of problems, and he loves me. Won't you stand with me tonight? God is at work in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, don't give up. Stay on the wheel. God's not finished yet. That's a good word for you. That's a good word for me. Love you, that's a good word for us. Preach it to somebody this week. Be an encourager to them. You know somebody that's about to jump off the wheel? Grab a hold of them. Shake them. Don't you give up on God. Don't you give up on His promise. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's just pray dedication right now. Father, right now, we take this word that has been spoken, your word that was written, that many, many thousands of years ago, Jeremiah walked into that potter's house. And, oh, God, we've walked into it today, and we see ourselves on that wheel facing the mechanism that is producing friction in our life, circumstance, people, whatever it is, waiting on your promise to be fulfilled, whatever it is, oh, God. There is a working going on in our life. It's uncomfortable. We don't enjoy it. But God, we are declaring that we're trusting in you. Come on, just declare that trust right now. Father, I, de I declare I'm trusting in you. You've given me no reason to not trust in you. Your word is true. Hallelujah. Let's sing that song, Minister Micah. Let's make it a declaration of our faith. He's working in your life. the hand right there by you. Time is up. Thank you for letting me get all that out. God is working in your life. Mighty God.
Oh, I'm so excited. I don't want to leave the room. Come on, let's pray for one another. Declare the word of the Lord over that person you're joining hands with. Father, we pray tonight, God, for your goodness to be released. I thank you, God, for this group that's gathered here tonight to hear the word of the Lord. And I declare over them that you are doing much more than they see you doing, that your best is yet to come. Your best is your intentions, oh God, over this group. You have nothing but the best in your mind. You're working that wheel to bring about your best over this church and over our lives, over our children, over our lives. God, help us stay on the wheel. We thank you, God. We give you glory. Oh, that's a good word for you. Give the Lord a hand clap tonight. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. I will see you on Sunday. Praise God. Pastor Josh preaching on Sunday. Come on, Minister Micah. You're dismissed, but if you want to worship a little longer, Minister Micah is going to play it again. Come on, Minister Micah.
Oh